0: It's that time to podcast again. Hey everybody, we're back again with another episode of Random Encounter and uh, the latest and greatest news going on over at RPGFan.com. Since I'm a week behind, we have a bit of a backlog, so let's jump right on into it then, eh? Over in the features department, we've got Crowdfunding Chronicles Volume 11. Tina's gone into uh, checking out a few neat things. Grand Guilds look really rad. I'm pretty down for a tactical RPG with cards and Hunt the Knight is a really beautiful looking 16-bit dark fantasy game that also has got a lot of flair so I definitely have a few things on here on my list of things to check out. Kyle Seeley has been working on a really in-depth feature focusing on Akitoshi Kawatsu and the non-linearity of Saga Frontier which focuses on exactly what the title says the open world landscape that um, Kawatsu attempted to explore through the Sega Frontier series and how he attempted to push boundaries in an otherwise uh, technologically limiting world. Since this episode comes hot on the heels of Mother's Day, uh, you can go check out the big feature we did, the 20 best RPG moms and two bad ones, that uh, was contributed to by a bunch of staff focusing on, as you would guess, a bunch of moms from RPGs. Now, the bulk of the news comes in from our reviews department, where they have been very busy with uh, a variety of projects. First of all, there's SteamWorld quest hand of gilgamech that jonathan logan reviewed for us which uh, looks really promising honestly the other remake that hit the switch recently was final fantasy 7 which zach wilkerson took on and apparently it still stands up also on the switch recently is uh what i recall to be an indie darling is va11 hall a or valhalla which alana Higgs, who i'm now saying her name right uh reviewed and again apparently it stands up really nicely And last episode, Alana spoke about Arcade Spirits, and her review is now live, so by all means go check out that game, because she had a lot of great things to say about it on the episode, and has a lot of great things to say in further detail in her review. Uh, Neil Chandran took a look at Felseal the Arbiter's Mark, which looks like a really rad strategy RPG that he gave RPG Fan Editor's Choice to, so definitely on my list of things to check out, and uh, should be on yours too if you're into the whole uh, SRPG thing like I am bob richardson has continued his journey into the adventure gaming oeuvre reviewing life is strange 2 episode 3 for us uh, he's gone through episode 1 and 2 and is carrying on so we can only presume he's got some more good stuff to say about the series as uh, the game develops another review from zach wilkerson brave hero yusha ex was uh, dropped which is an improvement over its original uh free version has a lot of nice improvements that zach says is uh a welcome addition to the game. So by all means go check out his review of this little 8-bit shout-out to the old-school games like Dragon Quest and such. And finally the last review is by myself, Greg Delmage. I did uh, a review of Left Alive that took me a few weeks to get through because it was uh, it took some work. It's, it's a game and it's got its problems, but there's a uh, few small good kernels in there as well if you are willing to check it out. So check out my review and see what all I had to say about that. Had a bit of a shake-up this week in the music department because, shockingly, not everything was done by Patrick. But that being said, there is still one review done by Patrick Gann, and he reviewed uh, Psychedelica of the Black Butterfly, Aiko Shimomiya. It's an OST for the uh, one of the two Psychedelica games that comes on the heels of Psychedelica of the Ashen Hawk. And then the other one was a review by Peter Triesenberg of Project Dostati's next work called Darkness. And has a great selection of music from the entirety of Kingdom Hearts. And finally, I don't know how on top of the site you've been lately, but... Did you know that we got some video content now? That's right, we've had a YouTube channel for ages. It's uh, been mostly a place where we drop trailers and just basically informative game update stuff that we get from developers but we're finally starting to produce our own stuff so you can check out some of the content that we've done we've got one video review of uh, zenkai zero last beginning that uh, david did to kind of follow up with uh, his written review as well, we did a re- our first reaction trailer to the Final Fantasy VII remake. So, if consuming video content is the way that you like to uh, get your information and media, then uh, we have uh, got you covered. As always, for everything else, check out RPGFan.com, and now on to episode 164 of Random Encounter. Hello folks! Welcome back to Random Encounter. I am your host once more, Greg Dalmage. It's been a while since I've been on the podcast. From what I understand, Caitlin did a pretty rad job without me, and I don't know how I would have guessed her to do otherwise, because she's pretty rad. But yeah, you can find me on Twitter, at Greg Delmage. uh Also, GDelme on Discord. And I am joined by two other lovely folks. I have Hilary Andraff hi everyone and um, where can people find you healer
1: um the best way to reach me is i'm ep fire on the rpg fan discord
0: ep fire what's that
1: from how did that come about <laughs> it's sort of a mix of an earthbound reference and just the term ep because i really like collecting video game music <laughs>
0: <laughs> you get that straight ep fire on your i was gonna say your uh, shelf but i suppose everything's digitally these days so whatever
1: i mean I'm staring at a shelf full of CDs, actually, of video game music right now, so I still have some.
0: (laughs) I've been lucky that a lot of friends have been going to Japan recently for trips. Sadly, not me. But for every person that says they're going to Japan, I'm like, I will throw money at you. Get me CDs. Right. Because just save myself on the many dollars of shipping. And uh, sharing the mic and also sharing living space with uh, Hillary is Lucy Gray.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Lucy Gray. I do social media, so I occasionally post funny things on the internet. I can be found as uh, Jess Idris, J-E-S-I-D-R-E-S, at both Twitter and on Discord.
0: And again, that has nothing to do with your name remotely, so where did that come from?
2: That was pen name originally made for when I did silly illustrations on the internet.
0: Oh, neat. Like, um... Like illustration, like like single panel comic kind of illustration, or
2: well, at one point I did do a web comic for five, six years,
1: and then just the name stuck. <laughs> Funny story. That was my introduction to her through a mutual friend before I even met her in person. It was, "Hey, look at my friend's comic." So.
0: Oh, neat! And then eventually you two came together, became friends, and decided we can live with each other and not ruin everything.
1: Yep. Wait, we did. <laughs> Is everything ruined? Um, okay, no, we're good.
0: <laughs> so yeah, two new voices—at least to me. Uh, I mean, I've heard Hillary on the podcast before, and, uh, and I haven't heard Lucy on. Uh, I know you did uh, Retro, right? Yeah, you haven't been on random before.
2: Nope, I've never been on random before. Uh, popped my podcast cherry with Retro. Oh my
0: gosh. So okay yeah, that's. <laughs> Hilary can't even handle you right now. (laughs) (laughs) That is totally okay. I uh, we have all over the place schedules over here, but uh, I'm glad that I was able to like twist your arm into just coming on for roommate fun times. And it's I don't know. I like having new fresh voices to speak with sometimes too, because it's not that there's anything wrong with chatting with Caitlin and Peter and Mike all the time, because they're great informative sources. But it's just nice to have a new dynamic. And who knows, maybe i'll might die in a trash fire because maybe we just will have no chemistry and not get along, and it'll just be 10 minutes of straight silence before we get to anything.
1: <laughs> what <laughs> we talk all the time, like, what happened? sweet baby Jesus
2: in a trophy case. What well,
0: did you ever run into that back in like uh, like MSN Messenger days? I don't know if you remember if it were not so much remember if it was a thing for you where you'd socialize and meet someone and you'd be so eloquent typing but then if you ever had to like actually physically hang out with the person you were suddenly just like had the worst chemistry and just couldn't talk i don't know if you ran into that
1: i'm kind of remembering a little bit of that from my like early final fantasy 7 message board days
0: Ooh, that sounds juicy
1: (laughs) it's not as exciting as it sounds
0: ah yeah there's a fun question is um what ridiculous forums were you ever a member of i mean there's final fantasy 7 uh, not that it's ridiculous, so to speak, but just like what fandom forum were you on?
1: That was my main one. <laughs> Through like, most, most of high school? Do I admit, do I dare admit that, uh, I was on LiveJournal
2: in the Doctor Who fandoms and, uh, let's see, uh, King's Quest forums. How did I miss the- oh, I'm sad I the King's Quest
0: And is that just mostly for people like swapping secrets and all that sort of fun stuff?
2: Yes, it was mostly. Oh, very cool! And also, various people complaining about whatever new game was coming out and how it was never going to beat King's Quest one, two, or three. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Kermitjani gamers always been around.
1: Oh my god, I can't believe it doesn't have a text parser. I sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Oh my god, you
2: can't zombify the do- goat.
0: This is all I've uh, in my full disclosure. I've played through. One vicariously through a former partner. Dang, I'm forgetting. I think it was Four, the one with the, the princess.
1: Yeah, it, it was like kind of early 16-bit kind of look.
0: Yeah, and she's trying... Uh, was she trying to find her uh, partner or something? Or was she trying to find again?
1: Was she trying to find the fruit to save her father? Cause it, that's what it was. Yep, that's Four.
0: Yeah, that's the one. That's the only one I've really kind of encountered. Aside from that, I've played through like... Uh, the Trogdor game, which was aping on King's Quest one.
1: Uh, I, sh- I, I threw, threw that
0: baby.
2: <laughs> now this rem- reminding me of the internet and badger, 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 no. mushroom, <laughs> mushroom.
0: I was just talking about Weebly stuff with one of my coworkers not too long ago. With the where do they have lions? That one
2: well, Lee in Kenya.
0: Exactly, and that it leads to thinking about the, the running Kenyans and yada yada yada. Uh, for my weird forum stuff. Uh, I mean, the only thing that was like a, like a hyper focus fandom. I was part of the Lincoln Park forums briefly because I was really into Lincoln Park. Uh, so I had that one. But uh, as far as game fandoms, I was on uh, which is I found out a couple episodes ago that Solosi, actually volunteer worked at uh, cavesofnarsh.com. com.
1: Yes, he did.
0: But I've been uh, a member there for ages. And then aside from that, uh, my I guess full disclosure nerdiness was. Uh, that I did role-playing through forums. Right. So there's a couple of websites that we uh, they would do there. It started actually with a Gundam one through Mobile Suit Gundam, where basically you got a Gundam suit, and you like would email in your actions that you wanted to do that week, and then they would have writers who would write up battles, or someone would just go through and process at the website what you did. But all the role-playing happened on the forums, so interactions with characters and this and that and the other stuff, and it's what started getting me into creative writing. Oh and then I did like a fantasy one and a couple other stuff. I did a Legend of Zelda one and a briefly tried a Harry Potter one, but it wasn't fun. Oh. Well, it kind of depends on the community, really. It does, but that's kind of what got me into my uh, my got my D and D fix out because I didn't have anyone to play D and D with, unfortunately. So
1: that can be such a pain, and I'm it's funny. I'm trying to wrap my head around because I know it functions li- like that at one point, but emailing in some actions and then having a separate forum component that must have been so annoying to manage. <laughs>
0: I imagine and that's why you know all of a sudden these things kind of fell apart. and eventually one of them I ended up kind of taking over and running with the person like I did a whole redesign of the website and we started like a lot of the story. I built like a new map for it and I just did a ton of like graphic work and building of the world work with them and just kind of remanaged everything because the guy down in Texas had just kind of like effed off for a bit and just really didn't have time for it. but people loved it the community wanted to keep it going. And he just wasn't coming in to do anything, and anyone that we kind of quote-unquote hired on as writers and stuff weren't really sticking to it, so I ended up just trying to manage this whole thing of, like, 20 to 30 players doing everything, you know, by myself, and it was just finally too much, and I had to be like, sorry, I'm out, bye. And then it collapsed immediately, and I felt bad, but I was just like, I can't.
1: Well, it was good of you to try and step up.
0: Yeah, and it was fun. Like, again, it taught me a lot of fun stuff, and it was a really cool game to do, but it just, uh, it was just, yeah, a shame to kind of let it go. But yeah, that's why it gives me the experience to come here to RPG Fan, and... Help manage a website and stuff too, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Origin stories aside, Yeah. speaking of back-in-the-day games, uh, we got a really sweet trailer yesterday for Final Fantasy VII's remake. Yes. We got some indeed. details and some spruced-up looks and, oh my gosh, do, do go on, ladies.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, it seems that they've actually spruced up the models from the original trailer when that was released, what, years ago?
0: 2000... no, 2015. yeah
2: wow they've spruced up the models we're finally seeing gameplay though the big thing that i've noticed is that the magic has changed um it's you know in the style of uh final fantasy 15 i'm not sure how i feel about that
0: yeah i would agree because i wasn't a, a huge fan of how magic was used in 15 it was very powerful but it was just it felt nebulous like it almost like a chore to do
2: yeah and i mean for a lot of people The Materia and Magic of 7 was a big part of why they loved that game. So it's going to be interesting to see how it's handled going forward.
0: Yeah, the plug-and-play customizability of the entire party system and, yeah, focused around the Materia system and how it also helped your stats grow in a way kind of similar to the Esper system, but still very different. They definitely grew from that to make it its more skill-focused thing, which was really neat. And yeah, people want that. It's, I don't know why they would mess with it all that much. But at the same time, if they're completely changing the engine and how it plays, it might just necessitate it that we can't get those kind of skills interacting the same way in a more action combat environment than
1: the turn-based environment. Yeah, it's got me wondering what those you know final menus are going to look like and what you're going to be able to customize and not.
0: Because it'd be really neat if we got something that played like 12, and I could see a lot of that still working. But if it is going to play like 15, as was being hinted at in a lot of it, then, yeah, I don't know how like you're going to get stuff like um, charm and long range, even mattering, stuff like that. Because it just doesn't factor in anymore. But they haven't really shown exactly how combat is kind of running. Like, we've seen it playing, so to speak. But we don't know how actions are triggered and stuff. Like, it could be like a weird hybrid of... Uh, 12 and 15 where you still have more action and movement in the environment, but Everything's kind of still in its own sort of action time base uh, Turn base kind of thing so moving them around the environment They'll just kind of act and react as their turns and stuff come up and you maybe you can go through their individual menus and pick out skills I think that'd be very neat and still allow you to be able to like run in and out of combat with a little more like the action of 15 a couple with that battle system it could be really neat
1: yeah we it's fun to speculate we really don't have a complete picture of what a full battle is going to look like yet we don't even know what engine that's running on if it's going
2: to be on the 15 engine or it's going to be on unreal um and, yeah
0: luminous right so it's called i think
2: um and we don't even know if hair gel is equippable <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah that's right because you had the um like the like the bathing suit outfit right no i'm I think I'm getting confused now with Xenoblade Chronicles. When was the hair gel from now? I don't know if I ever found that.
2: The hair gel was is that if it was raining, normally their hair would flatten in the rain. But if you had the hair. Right. In 15, yeah. In 15, their hair would stay upright. You're using a space solely for hair gel. And it was the bo- best joke of the entire game. I'm sorry.
0: You don't need to be sorry for that. <laughs> and there was also, that's right, the other cosmetic one where like your clothes just wouldn't get dirty, yes. I think was also another accessory or something.
1: I would use that. I, I want that to exist.
0: <laughs> just wearing a belt that like makes it so you never get dirty. Yeah. It's like constant digitation.
2: Exactly. As a teacher, that would be the most amazing thing ever.
0: Well, what grade do you teach?
2: Uh, I'm uh, actually a special education teacher, so I teach elementary uh, from kindergarten, to, uh, fifth grade.
0: But I imagine that does come with its uh, hazards. To your outfits?
2: Oh, yes. Yes, it does.
0: But uh, speaking of, I guess, speculating, as we have obviously are still in a place of doing, because they had a big uh, uh, restart, for lack of a better term, right now. Okay, can't find my words. But they kind of restructured how the game is being built and the team and all that sort of stuff, and as I believe they pulled it back in-house with Square Enix and took another crack at it, which is possibly explaining why we have so many of these changes, uh, especially with the models and just the world in general. It just seems more vibrant. Doesn't seem as gritty as what we were seeing before, as well.
1: Agreed, and that really triggered kind of like a nostalgic feel with me when I was watching the trailer. I sort of, I know we were kind of talking about this internally, but it really triggered this, sort of like, yes, this is FF7 kind of excitement.
0: Yeah, I would agree, because FF7 definitely is its gritty steampunk kind of vibe, but it was all presented very vibrantly. You know, the, the models had very bright colors oh, yeah. to differentiate them in their blocky glory <laughs> and even the backgrounds gritty and detailed and mangled as like you know Midgar gets in the slums and all that sort of stuff they were still very bright and vibrant and stood out to be a very uh, electric kind of world to feel a part of
1: right there were and there were always like kind of bright
2: pieces and that was sort of the thing that when advent children came out way back in the day people complained about was it was sort of almost monochrome when you looked at the colors compared to the wonderful vibrance colors of the original ps1 game
0: yeah the fact that they just kind of washed everybody out in the black leather instead of having those different character pieces that differentiated them Mm -hmm. i mean even earth's pink is a bit subdued and all that sort of stuff and not that there's an entire problem with that because i see how they were trying to ground it in a bit more reality even though it was unapologetically very science fantasy they definitely muted a lot of the world to make it feel that hyper-realistic vibe, which it seemed they were definitely aping on in uh, in the previews that we got back in like 2015 and since kind of thing. That they were trying to amalgamate that world vision as opposed to making it more true to what the original was. So I agree, Hillary, with the dialogue we've been having with the staff that, yeah, this feels a lot more like Final Fantasy Reborn, so to speak. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Reborn, so to speak.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I still want to see Tifa. I'm a little sad she hasn't made an appearance yet. She's my favorite.
0: Yeah, you and Scott both were quite upset. <laughs> <laughs> and Steph, our uh, social media maven, uh, was uh, <laughs> is oddly curious about uh, how how Japan's going to approach her modeling and uh, choice camera work. I don't know. <laughs>
1: yeah, let's not cross I'm, that I'm, bridge. i I'm I'm, I'm 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 less curious and more. Please don't.
0: <laughs> exactly. I'm I'm hoping that it's not going to be too gratuitous. I mean, they could have done any amount of like that fan servicey stuff even in Advent Children and they definitely didn't. I mean, she was incredibly modestly dressed, I found in that. Yeah. And I don't remember there being anything that was particularly fan servicey outside of just like comedic moments, yeah. which were funny in their way to kind of they were jarring in a sense that they pulled you out of what was happening, yep. but it wasn't gratuitous or anything like that so if they stick to that kind of model i think it'll be fine and even final fantasy 7 itself wasn't super fan servicey it had a few like funny moments and like the i went into your drawer and found your underwear no you didn't you're right i didn't i played the piano
2: i still love that uh recently a um another gaming website uh did an entire article on the toilets of final fantasy 7 and the fact that they Rarity of Japanese games, they wonderfully detailed all the different bedrooms and bathrooms of Final Fantasy VII.
0: And I think that's definitely something worth applauding, because I still wonder to this day, what happens in the world of Pokemon? Where did they go? Where do people sleep? Does everyone just sleep in the kitchen floor?
1: Yeah, alright, but the first Final Fantasy to to do that was six. True. True.
0: I'm trying to remember (laughs) where the detailed toilets and stuff were. (laughs) Not necessarily the toilets, but like just... The fully fleshed out homes were,
1: yeah, that too. <laughs> I'm thinking of Vector. In in Cap is in a cell at one point, and there is like a little toilet, and yeah, he can be. Convenient. But I
0: think that was the only one. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, just everywhere only- <laughs> else was like worse than a prison. Apparently,
1: <laughs> you know, if that's the only way I could get access to a bathroom, hmm.
0: <laughs> just go start throwing your fecal matter at cops. Ugh. Arrest me.
1: I wow. need to go.
0: Okay.
1: No. <laughs>
2: Greg, you have me on a podcast, and I immediately bring us down to toilet humor.
0: You know, we need to class the thing up sometimes.
1: Oh, goodness. Okay.
0: (laughs) But no, it's a valid point, though, outside of that. like, You're right. It's one of the few games where they put so much work into the world building and the environments themselves. Like, I mean, that's why people still talk about how great those pre-rendered painted backgrounds and stuff are, which is kind of what we all sort of wanted from a remake was just that everything cleaned up. But it seems like if they go into that same level of detail in this 3D world, it's going to be just a joyful playground to run around in.
2: Yeah, the, the one thing I am sort of hesitant for is they are still saying that they're going to release it in chapters.
0: And why are you hesitant about that?
2: Just that, I mean, I'm one of those people who likes to have the whole game at once and have it with me. Yes, it's sort of like going back and hearkening back to when we had to put in multiple discs. But...
1: Not Let's quite. just look at it. Let's just look at it that way. I don't have to wait for the next chapter. It's just please insert disc two.
0: But we had all the discs. Yeah. We didn't have to <laughs> wait a few months to get the next disc mailed to us or anything, right? Oh no. So it's a bit of a flimsy argument. I mean, I get it if they want to break it up into chapters for focusing on giving each segment its proper due and development time and everything like that. And if they pace it the same way they pace the originals and break it up at the same place, that's fine. But just it's it does seem unfortunate that we aren't just gonna get it all as one big complete thing. But then I wonder how worried they are about it going into development hell like Final Fantasy XV did, and then they've once again are caught with their pants down, having released a teaser and everything far too early, and then fans are left on the hook for uh, what was the development time on fifteen?
1: oh jeez peter would be upset it's like cause
0: I, it was over a decade though wasn't it
1: 10
2: years was it actually that's what it says on wikipedia
0: so yeah 10 years uh that's an insane development time and i don't think they want to get stuck in that again so i guess this is their way of kind of stop gapping that and giving players at least something to to sample throughout this probably you know gonna be eight to ten year progress process
1: yeah and i think part of the real point behind lucy's joke is sort of like the attention to stopping points and that is kind of, that does need to be a consideration like hopefully it'll be well placed pa- placed paste
0: yeah exactly like i imagine they'd be idiots if they didn't i imagine they'll be rounding things out nicely which each of the discs mostly did like it wasn't like all right you're about to go into this battle please insert disc
1: right exactly you
0: know they space things out nicely they're like cool you're just leaving midgar and heading off to the first town now's a good time to switch it up oh we've just had a major event switch out the discs and then it picks up after you know Meteor is exposed and all that sort of stuff so if they play with that it will likely be a lot more acceptable and unfortunately it just is what it is even though I agree it'd be nice just to have it I just don't think they're obviously going to go back on that
1: oh, it was nice to have that moment of hope <laughs>
0: And then they took it away. <laughs> uh, I know we've talked about our speculations and hopes and dreams and stuff on an episode of Retro Encounter, but just for YouTube. So, What do you want to see remade the most out of Final Fantasy VII, first of all? Uh, Lucy.
2: I don't actually know. I'm sort of at a loss of exactly what I'd want to see be remade just because there are so many great moments. One of the things that I think you know is it going to be interesting to see is just how much given our the shift in culture, how they're going to keep and what they're going to throw away and what uh, they're going to update for final Fantasy So,
1: you mean in terms of like character dialogue, kinds of story things? Yes, bottom address. We forgot to mention Walmart when we were talking about quote comedic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> I figured it would come up, yeah. possibly, in this segment.
1: I guess my answer, I, I really want to see Cosmo Canyon.
0: <laughs> that will be stunning. If, yes. I'm really don't even it. Not if it's done right, just being able to yeah get around it and see all its vista, as opposed to just seeing it as a, a matte painting, so to speak.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Loved how it looked and just the music, the whole myst- mystique of it all. So you were saying?
1: Yeah, that's basically what I was gonna say. Is I remember get when I was originally playing this long, long ago, getting there, and it was just, it really did have such an ambiance. It just kind of, it was one of those points in the game where I was totally refreshed with it and wanted to keep going.
0: Yeah, because there was such a change of pace—not simply just in how it looked, but just that, that iconic piece of music for it as well, yeah. and very obviously trying to nod to Native American culture. Uh, but it definitely broke up. A lot of what you would expect, not only from the game at that point musically, but just from Final Fantasy as a whole, right?
1: Yeah, like just the way it broke up the story and, and how, yeah.
0: And speaking into that, I would love to see that whole, um, that little like, galaxy model thing in yeah. like, the new engine it would just be stunning.
1: I was also thinking of that specifically. <laughs> yeah,
0: that would be amazing to see. And I guess leading up to that, I wonder like if they'll do like the Fort Condor battle. Like that mini game, if that's still going to be a thing or how that would get kind of spruced up, because that'd be really neat. Yeah, it would. For myself, uh, I mean, I've said it not so much on any other podcast, but I'm just really excited to see Mr. Dolphin make a comeback.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> I'm just really curious how they're going to figure that one out. And I'm curious if they're going to involve, with all the stuff that's gone on since, like how much of, not necessarily what they're going to cut and trim and fix localization wise and such. In final fantasy 7 but also how much are they going to insert from the extended universe now of crisis core and even uh to cerberus or if they're just going to keep sweeping that under the rug right like if they're going to involve any of the lucretia story and such like that a little more with um uh, vincent's development and such right
2: yeah though so i i have to admit i thinking now back to when the game originally came out and As you said before, like this is the time before the internet was really a big thing and how the rumors always spread that there was some sort of cheat code that you could use to have Eris stay in your party. And I wonder if there will ever be a nod to that Um, because I just remember it being one of
1: those wild rumors that stayed on for a good year.
0: It'd be a good self-aware joke for sure.
1: Yeah, it would. In terms of what they're going to rec- incorporate from the other games, that is a really good question.
0: Deep eyes. There'll be a there'll be a whole boss fight. Yeah, <laughs> with the entirety of Deep Eyes.
1: I can't see them. Like, hopefully, there'll be some nods where they're appropriate, but I can't see them straying too far into like. Hopefully they won't get caught up trying to incorporate everything.
0: No, and I hope not either, because I mean the stuff I did like about *Dirt to Service* was just how it developed like Hojo a bit more and mm-hmm. his whole motivations and stuff. And if that some of that made it in, that'd be really neat because he was such a weird, creepy character that had so much power over things. And then you had that weird moment with him on the beach where he's just chilling and he's just like, "We're all cool because it's the beach." And you're like, "What is? All right, on? <laughs> right?" And everyone's ready to throw down, and he's like, "We're at the beach." in my lab coat, but we're at the beach. Chill out, Al. And, yeah, if they can... I don't know if it would benefit to take that sort of stuff more seriously, or if that, yeah, if that kind of weird comedic anime humor will stick around. I don't know. (laughs) And I'm wondering also, then, to that point, if they will keep, like, Vincent and Yuffie as optional characters, or if they will become actual parts of the party now that you have to find, or, you know...
1: Right, that is actually one change, because I could see it maybe being a likely change with Vincent, because there's so much tie-in i don't know yeah
0: or if it'll be hinted more heavily that you can get them
1: it would be interesting to see what how they
2: uh, handle those optional characters and also see if they do you know if they are stay optional if they're now permanent party members or if they take the final fantasy 15 (laughs) route where they're sort of temporary characters that um come in and out of the game as where is appropriate
0: and i really hope not like i hope we don't get that weird sort of like core party with like cycling members of like sometimes you get sid sometimes you get yuffie sometimes whatever
1: i couldn't see them doing that. that's a very different cast with above seven so like yeah
0: yeah because seven's ensemble <laughs> works so well all together and it's built to be that kind of game it's not just built to be four people mm-hmm. going on an adventure together like this would work with any other thing like you know i would buy it if it was just let's do a remake of final fantasy one in this engine <laughs> cool it's just the four heroes of light i can see that Jiving and then having a swing if you wanted.
1: That could be a fun action RPG.
2: <laughs> this is. Yeah, it really could be. And this is not Final Fantasy. Uh, Final Fantasy Boy Bam.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's uh, depending on how you view the White Mage. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. But yeah, it's it begs wondering if they're going to yeah, tie them in now that they've become such an integral part of the world since, or if they're just going to keep that nod to the retro nature of the game at this point and what fans remember by being like, no, you still got to find them and unlock them and do the right things. I would prefer it, personally, if they kept it that way. But people want to make money, so they might just assume it'll print money just to make you have access to everybody. Or they'll do the annoying thing and make them DLC.
1: Aww.
0: But I think they know better.
1: (laughs) You think. You think.
0: I, I mean, given the revisions they've already made since and the amount of work and the amount of history that's on the line with this project, I feel like They'll be smart enough to play it safe with stuff like that and not get too greedy, but yeah, like you said, people could get their hands on it.
1: Yeah, and that brings that brings me to one of the really core questions about this whole thing: is it seems like they're likely to play it extremely safe and try and keep it close to the original, but is that actually what's going to happen?
0: Yeah, who knows? And that's what I was gonna, I guess, segue into with my other question uh, that sort of feeds what we were talking about before is what would you most want to see in the game as far as like what quality of life change do you think could benefit going into a newer engine and could use some fixing up in the game.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, as much as we talked about like more active versus more passive battle systems, I I think I would actually appreciate some battle updates in general just kind of streamlining it and making it faster.
0: Especially damn summons
1: yes exactly they're not as bad as some other final fantasies but
0: looking at you nine
1: (laughs) and i have to say that
2: uh for me as much as i love uh those matte paintings getting to uh, explore some of those beautiful locales i think you know as much as people complain about 15 and uh how it uh, it played i did like the fact that you could go almost anywhere and just see so much of
1: the world. Oh yeah, I, I. that's one of the things I hear as a positive about Fifteen. very often, is that you can just explore the city.
0: Yeah, getting through the world is fantastic in that game, and that's, I think, was a lot of a saving grace for a lot of people, is that most of it was really fun to play, even if the story was really rough and poorly conceived in a lot of ways. It was just really great to wander around that world.
2: I just like seeing the little shiny things and going, ooh, piece of candy, ooh, piece of candy.
0: Accurate. I hope they don't go the route with summons like they did in that game, though. It just made them feel uh, like they didn't really matter and not tacked on, and I can get it if you're trying to go for that hyper-realism and not wanting them to be OP, but there has to be a better way to balance it out as opposed to just sporadic random moments of when you're feeling in a critical situation. Yeah. Especially with how many summons there are in seven, unless that's one other thing they'll cut down, which I really hope they don't.
2: Let's not even think about that. Yeah,
1: I want my Knights of the Round.
0: Exactly. I want that... um... Oh, what's his name? Uh, I started with a K. the one that was the, the, the bull that we've, like, never seen ever since.
1: What was his name?
0: Yeah, he did, like, the earthquake thing. Uh, K- um, Kiro? I can't remember what it was right now. Uh Kujata. Thank you, Kujata, yeah. if uh, Like, I would, even though I know no one really knows or cares about it, so to speak, for to a point, it would be great to have it uh, come back along with everything else.
1: Or at least not be pushed aside
0: yeah you know gotta honor a lot of what the game was and i think that's like you said if they play it safe and stay true to what the game was i think that's gonna lend them to having a better received product they can definitely futz around with how it looks with how it handles better and trim some of the fat but ultimately a lot of that experience i think is gonna go over a lot better if it plays into our nostalgia more if they can find a happy medium between the two i think People will be pleasantly pleased. Uh, Anything else that you want to see uh, from the remake that you think would improve the quality of of the game?
1: I'm trying to think back. It's been a long time since i played 7.
0: For myself, uh, I remember the slap fight. And I'm wondering how that's going to be interpreted in this. Because I could see it being a really neat way for them to have a more full fleshed out battle and actually, you know, make Scarlet not as lame. Yeah, per chance. I
1: thought, Tifa deserves that. I ha- I have a rant about how if, if that actually happened, Tifa would just probably knock Scarlet out of the room. So it would be nice to see that as an actual battle and not be thinking that.
0: Well, exactly, because it made no sense that she would literally be pulling her punches. So, exactly. it, you know, when it's like and it's not like a random slap would subdue her so it would make more sense that if they wanted to stay true to it but keep it in the battle system is maybe you know maybe Tifa because they're prisoners she doesn't have any of her equipment or gear so it does reduce her to a point and then yeah Scarlet has stuff that does amplify her or something or she's just you know not just a useless piece of eye candy as they seem to kind of paint her who's malicious and has somewhat of a uh, genius brain for strategy and manipulation but if they make her much more interesting a character to combat, then that could be a pretty neat moment and a really neat fight of feeling like you're struggling against all odds, so to speak, with one character.
1: Yeah, and then that would give a reason for Tifa to be pulling her punches. Exactly. I'm th- I'm not exactly sure how I want to see it changed, but I'm excited about the chocobos
0: if they ride like 15 i think i could be all right with that
1: yeah
2: i enjoyed how
0: the chocobo handling was in that game and how uh into them the characters were <laughs> i just wasn't a fan of the the chocobo racing it just felt very tacked on again it was neat like controlling it wise but like there was no spectacle to it or anything it was just like you're just going to race to get your buds just for kicks <laughs> but if they interpret that into the actual full-on racing thing at gold saucer that'd be incredible
1: speaking of gold saucer will also be fun to see and interact with
0: so as long as we can still pilot submarines and snowboard and you know the place is still run by a dude in a a leotard uh uh, speedo well there you go i really hope they give him a cape or something just something because i love how brazen he is to a point but it just feels a little weird that there's like who's the boss oh it's that guy the one in his underwear yeah
2: (laughs) now imagine that Lovingly detailed rendered in 2000 and whatever. Um, and seeing all the
0: 2021,
1: <laughs> all the lovely jiggle f- physics involved. I was I was going to say 20xx.
0: <laughs> I am proud of you. But I agree. Like, if they have like some great, uh, uh, I wonder if they'll do some, uh, what's his name, Colonel Armstrong kind of like flexing and stuff. I am Dio. Shabwing. And then he dabs, <laughs> you <Yeah>, know, whatever.
2: <laughs> he needs to floss. If he's wearing, he's still wearing the speedo. He needs to floss.
0: <laughs> There's a lot of opportunity. We'll say that. <laughs> but yeah, the gold saucer would be really neat to see. A lot of those games kind of brought to life in the uh, the new engine. Yeah, did you, is there anything for yourself, Lucy, that
2: you could think of? My first thought is I would want that every time that Sephiroth shows up on screen, you hear the giant chorus, Sephiroth! But that's just because my brain's weird.
0: I appreciate the comedy of that. I unfortunately don't think they will, but that's hilarious.
1: you got to work up to that, I think, Lucy.
0: <laughs> I think if we get Lucy like on the stream with this game, <laughs> then we can just cue it up as a sound cue yes. every time it comes on. And
1: just
0: have a macro for it.
1: That's the plan. Everyone, every plan for when the remake comes out. Lucy will stream it. And do uh, that.
0: Yeah, it's that's what's gonna get us our streaming copy. <laughs> uh, speaking to the uh, trailer itself, I know one of the things uh, that not so much. I guess yeah, it's being pointed out is just Barrett's still Mr. T. Yeah, and I don't. Uh, uh, maybe from my privilege, a part of me is like, well, is that a bad thing? But. I don't know what it is, but that just seems to be the typical black guy that they still think is what black guys are, and that's still what they're directing them into. So
2: yeah, that eh. that is one thing. You know, uh, I have to say I would like to see updated, and I would hope that, particularly seeing as when they updated the models, they put more detail, particularly into his model, and uh, pushed it slightly further away from the Mr. T stereotype. I just yeah. Think they also do that for the voice acting because particularly when this is such a monumental game having representation really does matter Uh, particularly when you think about how more diverse gamers are and how much more important it is for people to have somebody that looks like them in a game
0: yeah and and they don't have to think that like oh this is just a caricature it's a valid point because right now it's just oh, they're all crass and rude and swear a lot and don't speak English good. It's like, no, that's not accurate, Japan, North America as well. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. It does does make sense. It's just, it's one of those, you know, it's one of those hard topics to talk about. And I think that, you know, coming from a place of privilege, I'm not one to really be able to properly delve into it and uh, touch upon it. And I don't want to speak for anybody. Uh, who could speak about it much more eloquently and much more realistically than I could.
0: Yeah, That's a valid point, because ultimately, for myself, I keep going, I'll probably just put my foot in my mouth if I haven't already. But to that end, I guess, again, it's the same reason, too, with how the redesigns are going to come out of, like, yeah, Tifa and stuff, too. Just how are they going to choose to represent any of these people?
2: We don't even know if these are the final voice actors for uh, the game, as is. And judging by the fact that a lot of people have started to talk about it, Um, I've seen several articles already I'm hoping that it's a bit of a good it will help push them in the right direction
1: right I think we're all hoping for representation to be well handled and for everyone to be listened to essentially Mm -hmm. yeah on that happy note Eh,
0: it's eh, tough topics are tough but part of um, moving this sort of stuff forward is talking about it no matter how uncomfortable it can or cannot be there's a lot of times through a lot of social changes happening where I've definitely put my foot in my mouth and, you know, I thankfully have a very wonderful patient partner like Annette who has taken moments as well to correct me on like, you realize how you said this, how it can be received like, Oh yeah. And that's just because I'm coming from a place of privilege. Like you said, Lucy, like there's definitely people who can talk to this better than we can because we only know so much about that struggle because it's not ours. So, it's important to talk about that stuff, no matter how uncomfortable it gets, right? So I don't yeah. limit any of it. Yeah. But yeah, moving on to uh, to other aspects of the trailer, that I like seeing how the enemies are being interpreted. Like that big mecha with the saw hands I can pretty much remember how that thing looked in Final Fantasy VII originally, and now it just looks that much more awesome.
1: Yeah, and looking at the side by side comparisons, it's been really neat so far because I think it's adding a lot of definition where we didn't have any before
0: yeah because that's really they pushed after that point to bring a lot more detail and stuff to in-game models in 8 and 9 that 7 missed out on they at least had the 3d models but texture wise they were all pretty basic which just made for a lot of polygonal shapes that you ended up kind of interacting with so the fact that they're able to yeah completely flesh that out more is really going to be exciting to kind of Yeah, you're literally going to be rediscovering this world and its inhabitants. You know, even how they've changed up, how everyone interacts, obviously, with the enemies because of the new engine. We get to see, uh, as people have been pointing out, uh, Aerith's fighting style a little more now.
1: That's what reminds me of Alice from Shadow Hearts. (laughs) Oh, God! Take book! Quack!
2: Quack! Yeah,
1: she whacks people with giant books.
0: Books are heavy; it it can hurt, but it takes a lot of muscle to heave those around, too, right?
2: But these are holy Bibles that she's hitting people with. She's literally
1: a Bible thumper. <laughs> anyway,
0: well, let you have that one.
1: No <laughs> one was really like wanting to see Iris as an amazing fall staff expert and not some wild things. That'd be awesome.
0: Because you imagine living in the slum, she's had to learn to defend herself beyond just like wild flailing.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: One can help. Any other ideas, ladies?
1: Details in June, probably 83.
0: Yeah, that's about it. Hopefully we'll get some more info on this. And uh, in the meantime, speaking of things that we've got more info, uh, we also got, probably was overshadowed by Seven for a lot of people, uh, Monster Hunter World's new huge expansion. Iceborne got a trailer. It's dropping in September. And I don't know, have either of you delved into the whole Monster Hunter Monster Hunter Monster Hunter? Uh, Mythos or The World or any of the series?
2: I have not, I fully admit. uh, I've seen uh, quite a bit of gameplay from friends, but to be honest, it it looks awesome. It also looks like something that I would absolutely suck at. How
0: about yourself, Hilary? I um,
1: haven't played any of the games, but I have definitely proofread a lot of features and heard a lot of talk about it. And I think it's worth saying that that this expansion is especially exciting because Monster Hunter World is one of those games that's in the series that's more accessible and has really brought in a lot of new players and generated a ton of excitement for the series. Like me. Yeah! I just love the fact that you can have cats cook for you!
0: Have you never, (laughs) I guess you hadn't seen that before.
2: No, I just love the fact that you can get a cat to do something.
0: (laughs) Well, they also heal you and they also, uh, you know, carry your stuff for you. They're They're good pals. They're around. No, having your cat with you. was one of the biggest things that sold me on that game. When I first booted it up and was like, I can create a character and I can create a cat person. Oh my gosh. So that was pretty awesome.
1: I remember a friend of mine in Colorado messaging me a lot. uh, When he picked the game up and he was incredibly excited because he named his Palico Nico after the sales cat from secret of mana. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's pretty amazing. And that's pretty amazing. Uh, <laughs> but that being said, uh, I've been doing Monster Hunter World on and off over the past couple years since it came out. I played it pretty heavily at first. I still haven't really gotten into any sort of regular online play with anybody, unfortunately, just because schedule's not matching up or whatever. And uh, some another friend who I was playing with a little more regularly eventually, he was just like, you know what, this game's not for me, I'm out. And I'm like, all right, cool. And it's definitely very much more accessible, because I remember trying it on the DS back in the day, and I just found it so obtuse to like try out that I didn't think it would be for me, but they built up a pretty strong game when they revealed it at first, and I had enough people afterwards saying that it's uh, pretty easy to get into, so giving it a shot, it is, it plays really well, so if you don't mind the whole action RPG thing, I would definitely recommend either of you to try it out, but I also get from your point of view, Lucy, you're like, oh, I'd probably just suck at it. It's pretty hard to suck at it, to be honest, as much as it is very complex and how huge the meta is, if you're just playing the game just to play it and not like go for all the best stuff, it's you can get through the story and get through a lot of the major hunts pretty straightforward. That's good to know. But one thing with this that I felt was missing was uh was like a more snow and ice. There's like a little bit of it in oh, I forget one of the maps. Where's Mike Slosey when I need him to have our resident monster hunter world master here? And I'm sure we'll talk about it with him at some point. But yeah, this having this whole world. Uh, that's going to be geared towards a whole snow level is really really neat <laughs> i love the uh the fact that like the snow is almost as high as your palico and he's just trying yeah. to like keep his head above to trudge through who cares how long those pads are going to linger
1: <laughs> lucy mentioned that right before we came on the podcast actually
0: they're um they're pretty unapologetic about shipping palicos as the cute thing so they they uh make no mistake of featuring them often enough in most endearing and adorable ways in their trailers and in the game. So rightly so They're
1: looking at your muscular, male skill. Yeah, stuff. exactly.
0: That guy kills me every time. I just was like, <laughs> can I have him as a palico? But he's basically his own thing, which leads me to like someday I want palica hunters. Darn it. do I want to be human. I want to be a palico. <laughs> I want to be beefy. Like that guy It's all about getting his It'd protein.
2: <laughs> I did uh, also enjoy the fact that, um, somebody described this, um, uh, a new expansion
1: as a possible adding new england to monster hunter
0: world <laughs> the frigid north of of america
1: you know what else though it was reminding me of something and i really could not put my finger on it could not put my finger on it and now i just realized it's reminding me of horizon the horizon zero dawn expansion so it was a similar theme it was a very like icy mountain challenge yeah the frozen wilds yeah.
0: that was not lost on me even back when it was first teased i was like oh interesting that the first expansion yeah it's going to be in this whole ice-centric spot. I don't know if we're just getting one map, that's what it looks like, but if it is going to be a big giant expansion, I'm wondering how many more monsters and stuff they'll be adding to this one map and having them interact with everything. And of course they teased some cool new monsters for it. There's this giant antlered beast that looks like it's going to be terrible to try and fight. And there was a new like frozen dragon, there's a new uh, take on the Giratidos, if I remember calling the name. It's like this fish kind of monster. So they had that one that was like kind of swimming through the snow. Which is clearly just kind of like a model swap of it, but that was the only real model swap that they seemed to have. It was all seems to be original monsters that's coming into play, and then they had that uh, that bat one, whose name I don't know, but I'm pretty sure, pretty sure it's coming from a past generation. If I think Mike Solosi was saying, I'm pretty sure that's the one, and I like it's really like scary and slinky looking. Like it's like a low to the ground bat kind of creeps around like a cat, but it's also a bat. And just makes it very dangerous looking. And that it just pounces on other monsters and stuff. It looks really neat. So it's definitely going to be exciting. It's kind of sneaky. Yeah, exactly. Like it just looks like it's going to be slinking around everything. And could very easily spring attack anybody, monster or player.
1: Well, hopefully you'll just get it to fight some other monsters and stand back.
0: That's half the joy of that game is watching them get territorial disputes. (laughs) Disputes. Disputes. But the thing that bothers me is that not everybody has that. So, like, there'll be certain monsters that they might take a swipe at each other or they might hit each other by accident, but generally they're both there for you. So they're not ever (laughs) going to turn on each other because they specifically, I guess, don't fight over territory or whatever. But they might accidentally take a swipe at each other and then might swipe back and have a brief exchange but because they're not designed to in their programming to have territorial disputes, thus they don't have the animations of fighting with each other and like grappling like some do that then they just don't end up ever doing
2: that. You mean you can't have kaiju battle in Monster Hunter World?
1: Oh. No, only some kaiju battles.
0: Oh. Pre-scripted kaiju battles essentially. <laughs> so like you can have like Beelroth and Diatodos go at it. Because they'll dispute territory and they'll fight over it, and they have like these cool animations where like Gyatrdos will like kind of slink around it, and yeah. and like they just get all up in each other's grill. Whereas you know if you were to like make uh, Baroth run into Diabolos, you know they might take a swing at each other like as they would the same way you do, but there's no specific animation for the two of them fighting. Thus, there's nothing really happens from that. Eventually, both of them are going to turn on you, or one's just going to leave while the other monster comes at you. It's kind of unfortunate I wanted to see, like, everything fight everything. Or at least if it was very clear that one was just like, oh, this one's here now, I'm out. But that doesn't really work. At any rate, Iceborne's going to be a thing soon. Uh, That's September, yeah, as I said, September 6th, I think it was. So we'll likely be getting more details, and I'm sure they'll have all kinds of cool new free content. Uh, From what the looks of it, I don't know if you two quite caught that with the trailer. Is this going to be kind of like... which it dragon age origins awakening where it actually is re- released as its own separate like full disc expansion because it's so big or is it going to be just a full like just dlc tacked on it wasn't fully clear but it looks like you can just pick it up as its own disc it seems to be what they were marketing
2: it at as as well that's kind of fantastic
1: yeah, yeah. It's, it's true because you can kind of see like they're doing a they're doing a package like a physical package for people who haven't picked up the base game.
0: Yeah, and is that just Monster Hunter with Iceborne preloaded, or yep. is it is it just Monster Hunter Iceborne and you have to have the previous game in order to get it? Or it's just yeah, it's just like a bonus kind of packaging and stuff. I don't know.
2: Well, I think that's gonna be made clearer as soon uh, the sooner we get yeah, it. Sort of looks like it is both the package it's a package gotcha.
0: okay. of both Well that'd be neat for people who haven't got in it's a good way to kind of refresh things with like a really cool launch because they've been doing great to release so much content for free like so many monsters have been added to that game and a lot of really cool events so for them to have a fully fleshed out big piece of dlc that i'm guessing is going to have a pretty lengthy chunk of story that's going to be maybe not the same length as the core game but it is a uh, still going to be a whole new experience it's a great way to guess reinvigorate the the uh, the title, without fully releasing anyone.
1: Yeah, I have a question. I I know there was a Monster Hunter World Final Fantasy fourteen crossover. Oh, yeah. I've seen the goes around fourteen. What did that look like on the on the Monster Hunter side? Do you I know? actually
0: haven't gotten to that because um, I'm still low enough level that I wasn't able to enter the fight. But from stuff that I've seen, it was yeah, Behemoth looked rad in the game, and yeah, but it was an arena fight, so it wasn't nice. as far as I or. Maybe that it does troll around inside the maps after you've done it and unlocked it. I can't remember now. I feel like I was talking to Slosie about it and I think he had said that once you had the content, it could just randomly show up. Maybe I'm wrong.
2: And I do re- seem to remember there was also a, a, at least a Japanese-only armor set that was uh, fu- based on Final Fantasy. I think it
0: was in Marvel. the North American release, too, as part of like if you did the arena battle. And once you got so much... The other the quote-unquote tickets from that battle i think you could pick it up because they did that with um uh. the crossover with horizon zero dawn it was a special event and you got special tickets that will let you unlock a set that basically made you look like alloy it even gave you alloys face. And why would you not want
1: <laughs> yeah so basically this game has done a wonderful job of kind of introducing new well, things exactly. i mean
0: reusing <laughs> it for goodness sakes and dante yeah. Uh, I'm still trying to get the Mega Man armor for my Palico, because I want a little pixelated <laughs> Mega Man running around at my side.
1: Yeah. But I think
0: it's really neat how they've done so much cool crossover with not only in-house Capcom stuff, but just stuff outside as well. So it'll be interesting to see how much more of that grows after the initial investment in the Iceborne expansion, and then just how much more we get from that. It's going to be bananas uh but in uh, fairer weather like we have right now in vancouver you can uh you can start doing some some other activities getting outside and start working the land we have uh at my house that we rent we were lucky enough that we had a front and a backyard and in the backyard we started a garden when we the first summer we were here and it's been okay i'm still learning how to garden things and keep them alive uh we've discovered it's very rocky kind of eh, soil so stuff hasn't been growing as well as it could be so we definitely need to get a lot of our compost in there and we're refreshing the whole thing this year so i tend to uh make posts about it on instagram and stuff calling myself harvest moon greg since basically everything i've ever learned about farming <laughs> and gardening is from harvest moon it is a lot harder than harvest moon makes it out to be
1: <laughs> i'm
0: sure but uh, i've never gotten into stardew valley but you two were talking that stardew valley had some new information and stuff dropping uh so let's uh, go into yes. that because uh, i love me some farming games
2: So in the joyous news of Stardew, uh, we have 1.4 update coming up very soon. Um, We don't have an exact drop date, but it is coming within, they're saying, within the next month or two. And uh, the really neat thing about this is that it seems that they're adding a lot of stuff to not only the multiplayer aspects of uh, Stardew, which... A lot of people have been hoping for, it, but a lot of more post-game stuff. So beyond the original first two years, that really has the is the core of the game. Which, as somebody who is now on her third game in her, I think I'm st- still in year three on my third game. The fact that there's going to be more stuff to added into that end game stuff uh, really is exciting and really. Interesting. It's also great because it means that when people uh, join my pre-existing farm, they can't spend all my money. Uh, As uh, ConcernedApe has made sure that uh, with this next update, if you're playing among uh, multiple players, it evenly divides the money so you can't have somebody go and make it rain over at Pierre's so nobody else can buy stuff.
0: Well, that's pretty neat. What uh, other stuff's kind of missing from Mountain Multiplayer right now?
1: Um, Well, this isn't Necessarily multiplayer specific though, it might be if you're playing with me and I die in the mines a lot. Um, <laughs> but you, it looks like there's going to be a capacity to buy back items you lose if you do pass out um, in those battle areas. For for those who are unfamiliar with Stardew Valley, it's sort of like an adventure farming game. So there are two major. Areas, m- mines, and some desert caverns where you can actually fight enemies, and you have weapons, and you you actually do kind of. You don't quite die, but you
2: do wake up in the hospital uh, next day um, with most of your stuff missing, which yes. kind of bites when you you know finally gotten the galaxy sword that actually actually allows you to kill stuff. Right. Um. And this is a chance for a lot of people who you know they get that one thing that they really need and, and then it's a
1: bad luck day and then they end up in the hospital you can this is introducing the ability to actually buy some of those items back
0: so they didn't really have like a diablo system where your loot just dropped and if you could survive to get back to it you can get it back kind yep. of thing oh that's
1: a uh-uh. no
2: the interesting thing about stardew is for these uh mines particularly in the skull mine the uh levels are completely randomly generated so you know it, even if you say on the same day, go back to the top and start coming back down again, you will still hit completely oh, different Oh, so bubbles. it's
0: not roguelike in the sense that it's procedurally generated and it stays that way kind of like the original Diablo. It's, it refreshes every time you go in.
2: Yeah, it's a a complete refresh, which is in some ways great because um, when you're a newbie and you can't go very far without dying, um, it allows you a little bit of a chance to get your um, sword swinging chops um, down while still being able to explore and not have to just do the same level over and over and over again. There's also, I mean, Stardew has been, has really gone through this really interesting journey of, with Concerned Ape having released the game with Chucklefish and then bought it back, gotten it back from Chucklefish and is now doing all of the, is putting his focus back on this game and really trying to make this something that is sustainable. sustainable. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's really interesting that there's still so much more that can be added to this game and how, even though it's been now, in several years it, it, this is still something that people routinely go back to and routinely play on a daily basis well, it's the joy
0: of these farming games and i guess quote unquote the casual game is that yeah you can casually digest it as you see fit i mean i love harvest moon and uh we factory by extension and i've been playing it plenty on and off and still have ongoing saves on and off but yeah, I might go through a stint where I, like, I'm like i super into it for about a month and then I'll just come back to it periodically when I feel like I need that relax, that check out. I forget which website it was. There was a really great article a few years ago that I think Derek Higgsbergen shared about our craving of you know those pastoral themes and which is why people go for walks in the park or watch more like relaxing films and TV and stuff that takes place in like, the countryside or people used to go to the theater is to have that escape. And it's the same reason, kind of, why we play like mm-hmm. Animal Crossing and Harvest Moon and stuff like that. It's just that kind of escape from the urban life and suburban life. Yeah,
1: a lot of a lot of sim games, really.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And the nice thing about particularly about Stardew is, is that
0: sorry, what's the what's the game called?
2: Stardew. The nice thing about it is is that the controls are not particularly hard to pick up if you've been away from the game for several months. As a school teacher, I fully admit there are times, particularly during school testing where I'm not in a mood to be playing a game uh, necessarily when I come home. So there's going to be a month or two where I'm not playing a lot and then being able to get right back into it and not really feel like I have to get something done by this in this certain amount of time Mm -hmm. makes the game, you know, something that's relaxing at the same time, you know, unique each time. I was very excited. I've recently gone back to the game after a two-month dry spell. There were a couple of Little extra perks that people had talked about, and I finally today grew a giant melon. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I had the image here of this, like, monstrosity, whatever this thing is. So how does that meteorite, it looks like, uh, come about in your garden?
2: Well, this is, it's a completely random generated thing. It's one of those things you can't really plan for you can set up just growing a lot of those crops at once, but it's a completely random generated thing. And it's one of the fun things about Sardu is, is there are these little quirks in the game that aren't going to happen on a routine
1: basis. You yeah, You can. That when there are certain parameters. Like you have to grow a certain number of high quality crops next to each other for that to have a chance of happening. Right. It doesn't have that even have to be high quality. It is only certain crops that do it, but it's
2: not, you know, it's, Surely by chance, there's little itty bitty Easter eggs that are uh, hidden in the game that pop up at completely random times, which is part of the reason why I've had three different games in this world, because it's just you get a different experience
1: each time. Yeah, um, in the multiplayer farm that I play on a lot, there's a meteorite that fell in our chicken coop. We actually built a chicken coop around it (laughs) because we thought it looked cool.
0: Yeah, like, what are you going to do? Are you able to mine it?
1: I know. Well, you have to upgrade your tools. First. You'll get to that. Anyway, this game accommodates a wide variety of playstyles too. And little things like that really do keep it interesting. And I think the separate money is actually a really smart step because I think it'll go further toward accommodating some of those things. Like maybe one person wants to spend that money buying catalogs to decorate the farmhouse. And someone else would rather actually like really farm those crops.
2: And then there's somebody like Steven, our uh, RPG <laughs> alumni, who will go fishing at any drop of a hat.
1: Yes, he's been a, he's been a co-op guest and basically goes, I'm going to go fishing!
0: Bye, Steven. Thanks for visiting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Steven.
2: The other cool thing about uh, the 1.4 update is... Uh, wait, is it 1.4 is it already out in 1.3? Uh, that you can now construct a ring to marry another multiplayer.
0: Oh, very cool. Which, that would have fed very well into Steven's actual proposal.
2: (laughs) I think it's actually already 1.3, but I think there are upgrade quirks that they're talking about for 1.4, which, uh, again, the fact that they're really trying to make this a game that you can play in so many different ways is one of the reasons why I think Stardew has had such a uh, great staying power. I'm sorry. I meant to say, Stardew.
0: (laughs) Third time's a charm. I'm going to, and now just for the sake of fans, uh, ask you to justify why we're making you say it like this now.
2: This is an ongoing joke between me and Hillary. uh, uh, Based on the wonderful videos of Z. Frank, at one point uh, he said a word that sounded vaguely like stardew, and lo and behold, I stuck to it like a burr. And so now, whenever I really want to annoy Hillary, I just say, Hello, do you want the place of you?
0: I picture that's what the little gumdrop things actually do talk like now. That's my canon.
1: Oh, the Junos most... most... <laughs> talk like Z Frank. Okay, that's good to know. That's not
0: canon for me. I haven't even played the game, but that's canon now. I will right. not be able to unhear that. Done. Uh, do they operate kind of like the uh, the forest sprites and stuff in like Harvest Moon, where they kind of come and help you out? I know very like nothing about the
2: game. You can have them come and help you out at the end of um af- in post game. They're actually sort of um, it's an interesting sort of dynamic. There's two options you can play in Stardew. One is you can sort of buy into this mega corporation Joja, or you can um, instead uh, decide. to the rebuild the community center, which has been taken over by the uh, Jinmos. And in the process, if you do certain things uh, for them, like collect certain items uh, throughout the game, they'll restore certain areas of the world map for you, uh, giving you
1: access to more and better things. Right.
0: And I think, yeah, you get access to like different farming patches and stuff, plots of land.
1: And eventually you can have little Junimo huts on your farm and. and it's really adorable. They're like carrying your crops for you. Yeah.
0: That's delightful. And I, that's yeah, what I kind of loved about having the forest sprites around and stuff too, that they would kind of help you loosely. I mean, I'm not sure. I didn't know as much about the meta at that point when I first was playing uh, like back to nature and Harvest Moon 64, when I was first introduced to it and them. So I don't know if you had to build up your affinity with them and maybe they would do more, but they just kind of did the few odd jobs. Not very well. But it's like, cool, there's a few less crops I have to pick up, I guess. (laughs) So hopefully the Junimos are a little more industrious.
2: They are. They're this... I mean, they're just these cute little jelly bean type things that uh, roam around and will fix a bus for you, fix your greenhouse...
1: Yeah, they're they're way more industrious in that they actually like restore the environment for oh, that's you. Really cool.
2: As far as picking crops, eh, they're okay. They do. A, what is it? A, I think it's a nine by nine. Yes, yeah, it's a nine nine grid.
1: Nine grid. It's, it's
2: not the greatest, but it's really at
0: important. least they're trying.
2: They're just you know these like they're carrying a piece a you know a piece of wheat that's the same size as them going. I'm helping.
0: I'm helping. They're like Pikmin.
2: Yeah. Yes. I love
0: it for I guess farming games in general. Have you both always been fans of, like, yeah, like Harvest Moon and then Rune Factory, and now there's uh, Story of Seasons and all that sort of stuff? Have you been playing those all along, or is Stardew your first, like, farming crack? Or maybe you were into Farm
1: Simulator. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, Tractor Simulator? No. <laughs> That's one well um, too,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> um, no, I played a little bit of Harvest Moon, and I liked it. It was relaxing, but it never quite stuck.
0: Which uh, Harvest Moon was your first? Sorry.
1: Uh, save the Homeland. It was Save the Homeland.
0: Oh, Save the Homeland. I, I'm i sorry. Yeah,
1: it's okay. I mean, it's all <laughs>
0: right. I enjoyed it. But when I got to winter and realized it was just a rainy season, I was like, table flip. I wanted snow. <laughs> what is this? I wanted Aww. to marry somebody. You can't. Get out of here, game. Take my breadfruit and leave. <laughs> so I can see how you would be like, eh, about that one.
2: For, for me, Stardew is my very first. I mean, I was one of those kids who built very insane buildings in SimCity just because I could. And also, it was the one game they allowed me to install in the school computers in high school. But for the most part, no, I haven't. Oh, Stardew really is my first foray into
1: farming.
0: And boy, is it taken, apparently.
1: Yeah. And I, I actually, this doesn't fully count as a farm game, but I remember spending a lot of time at home in Legend of Mana. Like taking care yes. of my pets and I think also picking crops. So I guess that like half cows? Yeah, important. it's kind of its elements. It's,
0: it's just as much as like Animal Crossing would kind of be in a similar ish vein. Just that little bit yeah, of go. escape. That's one thing I always wish when I finally played Animal Crossing for the first time, like in earnest. I think I tried someone's like DS version once a little bit, but it wasn't until I got it for the 3DS with New Leaf. I loved so much of it, but it was part of me I just kept going, like, but I want to farm now. I just want this to be Harvest Moon now, but in this like engine, I want little anthropomorphic people helping me on my farm. <laughs> but, right? I just Aww. wanted to like have a more sophisticated farming experience and like a fishing mini game that was more akin to like, yeah, like Legend of Zelda and stuff like that. At any rate, I still love Harvest Moon, and I still love Animal Crossing. Having the two marry would be really, really cool.
1: <laughs> I think the TLDR here is that you need to play Stardew, because it sounds like it's really I absolutely
0: okay. know I should. Don't get me... It. I've talked about before, I've talked about people who are just like, how have you not played it? Even my daughter, who has played it, and she loves the crap out of it, and she's just like, you should play it. And I'm just like, no, because I know then my life is gone. Like, nothing will happen <laughs> for a good year and then some. And I have so many other farms and all these other games that I need to go back to and finish. And it's just like, oh no, (laughs) I know what I will become.
1: (laughs) You don't want to leave yet another farm behind Partly, yeah. Well,
0: I've been playing Ruin Factory Frontier on and off for ages, uh, which was a great find on the Wii. And I managed to snag a copy before it kind of got super scarce. And I like it a lot for what it is. Just the combat is probably the most frustrating part about it because it's just not very precise. It's very nebulous. There's no, like, targeting system, so it's kind of frustrating in that regard.
1: I actually played a little bit of that one, too.
0: And it's really neat. Like, there's a giant whale in the sky, and, you know, you can go all Jack and the Beanstalk with it. It's really cool. (laughs) It's anime as heck. Sky
1: wheels are always a
0: plus. It's really neat that you get a little skyland, and it's cool that you can farm in the the dungeons and stuff, too, that they kind of act as, like, seasonal greenhouses, which was neat when you can start to really, like, manipulate the meta, but it does require you to be doing a lot more running around. The part that gets me is just sometimes it's frustrating to do the combat. But still, I like the game a lot. And that's because I have that experience, also the pragmatic cheapskate in me is like, well, why spend money on another game that I basically already have? Even though, from what I understand, Stardew does it all better. So then I'm just like, eh, but then I'll just never play this cool game. Because <laughs> I do like it. It's got a pretty robust like crafting system. And I love... I don't know how it works in Stardew, but I love the fact about Round Factory. When I first played it on the DS... And that's why i ended up picking a frontier i like that you have to like tame your farm animals so if you want cows and stuff you actually have to find them in the dungeons and tame them and capture them and use animal husbandry as opposed to just like go down the store and buy a cow
2: well in starter you do have to go and buy a cow uh but you do actually you have to have to raise your your affinity affinity yeah that's more of a harvest moon style yeah
0: okay so it's more like that which there's nothing wrong with that i like it but i just i enjoyed that spin I guess, that refresher on the game. Uh, how does, I guess, for yourself coming into it, uh, Lucy from just with Stardew, I mean, for myself and from the sounds of it, with Hillary being exposed to Harvest Moon, where we're, we're just used to, like, it's just farming and relationships, and that's it. Do you find it's overwhelming having so much that you can do with, like, crafting and mining fighting monsters? And all the other stuff on top of that, like, is it a lot to handle? Would you have preferred to like come in it with just like, I just got a farm. Cool.
2: No, actually, I think the the balance of diff- the summit, so there is so much that you, things, so many different things you can do that you actually, it was a nice balance for me that it wasn't just farming. It wasn't just going into the mines. It was a little bit of everything. And the nice thing is, is in that first sort of year that you in game that you play, they do make sort of these they push you subtly towards you know oh it's raining this is a time you can go into the mines but they don't make it nothing is necessarily required and you can play the game however you want and
1: including uh, being the shill of a soulless corporation
0: which I think is a unique <laughs> angle for the whole thing i mean <laughs> as you remember from uh right. wait is this appointed like is one of you a corporate shill and one of you not <laughs>
2: Not to my okay, knowledge. because that'd be a
0: really funny roommate dynamic of, like, you two just like, <laughs> how could you side with
1: Joja? How dare you? Yeah, no, secretly, I I took the Jojo. Not really.
0: As we go look at your account, and you've got, like, a Joja hat, Joja t-shirt, Joja juice cup.
1: <laughs> Cola.
0: Jojo Cola, sorry.
1: Jojo Cola. There is actually, a, like, a brand that, if they're not called Jojo Cola, the... Their font really looks like Joja Cola.
0: I wouldn't be uh, surprised if, yeah, they inspired it from something. Yeah. I like that. In uh, that's one thing I will say I did like about uh, Save the Homeland is that the whole thing revolved around that is finding different ways to save the homeland. It was definitely yeah, probably the most narrative-driven, I'd say, of all the Harvest Moons that I've played. But I just found, yeah, a lot of the gameplay and stuff suffered in it. But I did like that the relationships mattered a lot more. It was a lot more of a, uh, not a graphic novel so to speak but just that level of like character interaction and character growth piece as opposed to the farming the farming kind of more felt tacked on to the story in a sense weirdly
1: yeah and start to start some nice balance there too i think because you the whole frame i mean there is well actually i think you work for joja don't you and then you you quit because you're sick of everything and your grandpa left you a letter for when you're sick of everything and it turns out to be the deed to the farm uh, these games so yep so it kind of sets you up to not be on the Jojo route but it it doesn't really force anything like you do you can have that narrative story but you don't have to
2: and it's really interesting cuz one of the nice things about about Stardew is is that there is actually this soul points based system that you know you're working towards but it doesn't actually tell you anything about it and you don't have any of these like set rewards that you ha- feel like you have to do it's just like you're playing the game you're playing the game suddenly it's Start of year three, and your ghost of your dead grandpa comes to visit you in the night.
0: <laughs> and then it gets real. Oh, yeah,
2: there's also a wizard. You're to you totally
0: that. selling me more, though. <laughs>
2: <laughs> a wizard who possibly had an affair with a villager.
0: Dum-dum-dum.
1: Yes. Dum-dum-dum. Yeah, there's some Pelican Town drama, if you really want
0: I not be shocked. And that feels a lot more realistic than some of the happy-go-lucky stuff that goes on in harvest moon where the only drama is usually your dating and relationship drama like you're the source of it (laughs) nobody else has drama nobody in the village is with anybody else it's basically like Oh, I'm either with this girl or this girl, and if I'm with this girl, then all the other girls partner up with somebody else. All right, cool. And that's it.
2: So it is It is funny. They've added in uh, to Stardew in the uh, last update that if you are dating all of uh, the eligible bachelors, there is a confrontation scene. That with, that's... All,
1: with all of them.
0: That'd be really great, though, if that happens. Yeah, like if you had to kind of stealth it out, and if you get caught in a lie, then yeah, they all confront everything. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. Uh, the other thing that could make me potentially sold on this i was going to ask you is the multiplayer is it couch co-op or is it only between different switches
1: um the only way i've played it is we've only played
2: it through I steam i mean i can probably
0: look it up online to be honest but
2: yeah so i'm not entirely sure i know that there has been some issues in the past with various different platforms and multiplayer but
0: well i can i'm sure look it up i was just curious because i've if... You gave me that answer. Now I'd be like, "Cool. Well, I'm going to go spend seventeen dollars because I think it would be a real fun, relaxing activity for Annette and I, or Gwen and I, or all three of us." And
1: the last good thing I'll mention about it is that it, it go it saves after every day, so you can play it for very small pieces of time at a time, which is how I've had. Yeah, to do that was it. the
0: nice thing that I've always enjoyed about uh, Harvest Moon is you can take it in as big a chunk as you want because the the diaries right there, you can always just go and save at the end of the day. So you feel like that, yeah, it's a sense of completion. Like you've done something at least. So you've gone mm-hmm. through a day and you've gone to bed and there you go. So I think that's pretty uh, integral to that relaxing nature of it. Like, yeah, there's no stress. There's no big sense of loss and there's no need to be like, well, I'm in this like now big long narrative track of solving this quest. That'll probably take me about an hour, but I won't feel satisfied unless I complete it. It's very easy to get trapped in those kind of loops and more complicated RPGs yep. and such. <laughs> I run into that in a lot of Switch. Like, uh, just one more shrine in uh, sorry, in Switch. In Breath of the Wild, Uh,
1: just do one more shrine.
2: (laughs) No, (laughs) you never do one more shrine in Breath of the Wild.
0: Uh, On a fun fact, I'm still playing through it because I'm poised to beat Gan at any point. I'm at 113 shrines. I'm like, there's seven more out there that I just want to find before I beat them. There's
2: seven more out there. And then if you get the DLC, there's another- 16 it's hilarious because uh, i have a student he's in second grade and i have become the coolest teacher ever because if he does well we talk about how to beat the shrines in breath of the wild
0: conversely we were the worst parents ever because gwen's dad got breath of the wild and got a switch long before we ever got around to getting one and she constantly wanted to talk about it but annette and i knew that at some point we were going to be getting a switch by that point we'd actually already decided on how and when we we're getting it, but uh, we just knew that like someday we're gonna play this game, no matter what. Whenever we decide to buy a Switch or whatever. Luckily, Santa brought it, so there we go. But yeah, she just it pained her to not be able to talk about it and it was a very good moment to teach her about spoilers and how to frame things and she would just keep wanting to blurt stuff out and we're just like, You can't, that that counts. You can't do that And it was so frustrating for her. So once we finally were starting to play it, she could see like this big weight come off of like, Oh my gosh, I could talk about this now with you. But only to a certain point, of course, too, because so much of that game is discovery, right? So just because we're playing it now doesn't mean we've discovered all the same stuff. Because that's the joy of it, is just stumbling on these random things. You know, like, I I found a giant horse. That's so cool. (laughs) At any rate. Yeah, Stardew, I know, is the cocaine I want in my life. But I should probably (laughs) not just yet. But if it has some, yeah, good local couch co-op or something like that it might be something that we'll be picking up fairly inevitably or yeah we could just get it on steam because annette and i both have our own steam accounts so it just means buying it twice in the household but eh whatever does it do cross-platform that's what uh, i'm not sure about i'm curious about that too worth looking into either way i got the internet for that i won't grill you anymore on it uh well before we uh, wrap things up we actually got a, a few uh questions from listeners readers of the site whatever uh this one comes from mayo on the old Discord. Uh, who asks us, what RPG secrets did you discover before seeing it, the secret, I imagine, uh, in a strategy guide or online when you were younger? I think for, I can speak for all three of us, that we all came from an era that we started playing video games before there was an online, so yeah, we only could potentially get strategy guides, if even that was a thing, I think, I don't even know if that was even a thing back in Nintendo days. You pretty much had like Nintendo Magazine and stuff like that, which might have the odd nugget, but... Yeah, what secrets did you discover for yourselves? And I will also add through word of mouth because I feel like that happened a lot as well. Yeah,
1: Um. well, really quickly, first, the one I thought of was the uh, secret seashells in Link's Awakening, which I'm very excited for the remake of. I just basically wanted Cahalan Island forever once I knew that they existed until i found all of them oh
0: that's the little like uh oh it's like uh, you can cash them in for
1: stuff yeah well you get one specific reward that i won't spoil if you collect all of them and you just kind of stumbled on them yeah (laughs) i mean intentionally just kind of wandered and it took forever but (laughs)
0: yeah and how old would you have been was it super satisfying for you to be like i found this and nobody else knows
1: Well. (laughs) I did this over such a long period of time. It was like years. So I'd say I started when I was maybe nine, ten. It's still
0: pretty satisfying age to figure out a a secret or something for yourself. Yeah. I have not played it extensively myself, so I don't even know anything about them. So I appreciate you not spoiling it. But I'm excited to, I've only (laughs) played like, I think to the first dungeon, which I had done for an RPG fan project but I haven't had a chance to go back to it yet.
1: Did you get the cello? That's the important question.
0: I th- Is that the first instrument? Yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> awesome. It Got it gots me a cello. It's my favorite instrument. Me oh, too. Fact. I've always wanted to play it.
1: There's one in this room, in fact.
0: Oh, neat. Do you play?
1: Yep. Oh my gosh, that's so rad.
0: Uh, I wish. I've always wanted to learn. It's one of my, like, if I won the lottery or money was no option and time wasn't an option, I would go get cello lessons in a heartbeat. Yeah. I love the sound of it. It's great. And did you have any... Are there bigger ones? That's a pretty cool one. Or pass it over to Lucy now.
1: I think Lucy and I were both talking about King's Quest, so I'll let her go. Oh, gotcha. That one. had similar I'm ones. Well, uh,
2: for me, um, I had a, uh, I had a Game Boy, played that, played that, didn't really find anything uh, big secrets. But then my first PC game was Final Fantasy VI, and it was actually, I mean, not Final Fantasy VI. Uh, it was King's Quest VI and it was given to me by a friend who conveniently forgot to give me the uh, CD insert that comes with it, which, she forgot to mention, is required in order to be able to play the game. So I stumbled through the first part of that game learning things almost completely by chance and sort of having to do this whole world-building thing and ended up stumbling on a whole bunch of different things that... I realized we were, you know, not expected to find in the game because most people went by the manual and knew what they were doing.
1: Yeah, it's worth it to mention that that, that game was an old CD-ROM game and existed in the days of copy protection and strangely accessed manuals. And basically, there's a puzzle a little before, like halfway through the game, where you actually need to go into the directory of the CD and find this... the this alphabet that this one magical, like the winged ones.
2: It was literally the page insert on the CD. So if you burn, somehow had access to a CD burner and you burn this CD game, if you didn't have that manual, you still wouldn't be able to play the game. Oh dear! And the hilarious thing is I still managed to somehow play this game. But it's like the first quarter of the game you'll play and then you'll randomly come upon these set of rocks that you can only climb up if you have this alphabet. Right,
1: because there are puzzles at intervals because everybody wants to stop on like dangerous rock ledges and do puzzles. I mean... I don't know. seems to
0: be the best place to make the puzzle matter, I guess. I
2: mean, that is par for the course for King's Quest. Yes, yes, it
1: is.
0: But that's awesome that you figured it out. I Similarly, it's not an RPG, but just with X-Wing and TIE Fighter, that whole series, I think I, I really loved the TIE Fighter one, and I had it installed with the floppy disks, because once you've had it installed, it's installed, so I borrowed it from a friend. But you needed a manual to to access that. Usually there's like a three-digit code in... Um, oh, wow, my Star Wars nerdism is failing me right now. The, the special language that's used in Coruscant, uh, in, in the Empire and stuff that's, uh, printed. Anyways, you had, like, a three-digit code thing that you had to put in. You had to, you usually reference the page number, and you had to put it in. I would just basically keep rebooting the game until I got one of, like, I think the three that I had memorized. <laughs> I would just sit there for, like, a good, like, ten minutes and be like, Ah, there it is. Endor. I got it. And, like, would put it in, and I'd be good to go. I, I, I know that struggle, but other games that, uh, <laughs> you got either through illicit and/or borrowed means, uh, but for me, I I think I was trying to think if there's anything more uh, recent than Final Fantasy 7 But I think Final Fantasy 7 was the first time I really like found any secrets for myself because up until that point, I didn't really own any RPGs or any consoles that played them because I had a, a Genesis, and there wasn't a ton on that. And, uh, uh. Uh, and then I uh, and I had a Nintendo, but I wasn't really into RPGs at that point. And even then, I don't think that a lot of them had a lot of secrets and stuff on the side, except for maybe like Zelda. But the whole thing was to explore all those secrets anyways. So yeah, for Final Fantasy VII, when I got my PlayStation and just went through it, I didn't have a guide. I do remember a friend of mine had a player's guide, which I like I had skimmed through because I love the art, but I don't actually remember retaining any information from it. But I'm pretty certain I figured out like the whole the Vincent and Yuffie as like bonus characters thing possibly if I recall it was likely through some word of mouth but just figuring out how to make it happen I figured out through myself by myself and that was super satisfying and just yeah never having used a strategy guide or having access to really online stuff it was uh it was nice to to feel my own power because it's so easy now to just turn to that if you just can't figure it out and there's so many times where you got to (laughs) resist because I'm a bit of a purist. I like to go through something once on my own power before I ever go back to try and do a more like perfect quote-unquote playthrough using a guide I don't know if it's the same for you. Two. <laughs>
1: um Lu- <laughs> Lucy and I have had some conversations about this. When when I I was doing 999 for Retro, I I was kind of insisting on not using those resources.
2: Meanwhile, I will play every single game with an extra browser window open just in case, and I sort of I'm I'm one of those people who actually does not mind spoilers, so you know, I'm one of those terrible terrible people who's just like Okay,
0: somebody spoiled the end of Endgame to me. That's okay. <laughs> I could, yeah. There's And it's, it's, there's really certain people like that. Like, I've had uh, friends in the past who will be watching a series together or something like that. And then, like, the next week, they'll come back and be like, okay, I know everything that's happening now. I was like, why? Why would you do this? I just couldn't I couldn't stand not knowing. I had to know. So I went and looked it up and found out what was going to be going on. Because it was a series we are behind on, so it's not like it was, like, Game of Thrones where it's all, like, speculation but it was a series that had already existed, so, like, they went ahead and figured out what was happening in The Walking Dead. I was like, I have to know if this person's going to survive. I was, like, uh... I was like, no, you can't. Like, you have to be surprised. No. Like, that just takes all of it out of it. But, yeah, some people just want to watch the world burn, I guess.
2: <laughs> it's one of those things that is one of the tensions in our household. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, I mean, for retro, uh, when I'm on, like, a time frame, I could see, like, I think I did it for Minish Cap, just when I knew I needed to just rip through it. But even then, I only had, I think, like a week or two. It's a different thing if you have like the whole month and stuff. But I think I came in late for Minish yeah. I just kind of jumped in.
1: Uh, Yeah, very different story when I, I jumped in on the Yis Othin Balgana podcast. And yeah, that was a very, very different story. Yeah, from...
0: play some catch up. You may as well just take some help, right? So
1: the I think the most fun I had with it, it, it,
2: it, this dichotomy we have, it was you were playing Shadow Hearts. Uh, for a retro enc- uh, encounter, mm-hmm. and you were having trouble with this one thing, and I kept going, Oh, if you just did it, and you would literally <laughs> sit there and go, La la la, I can't hear you, La la la, I can't hear you,
1: go away. I remember that.
0: I have that, uh, but yeah, I can be a bit of a backseat driver by accident with the net too, because it's just my in-, in me. I was like, I just want to help, and I just know, and or I've done this, or I, I, I have, I'm definitely better, like for example, with uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild with combat, whereas Annette struggles with combat in most games, it's just not her thing. She just gets very panicky and then button mashy and then hates herself for it because she wants to be better, but the stress of it, the situation, just makes everything fall apart for her, and I try to, like, then side-coach what ends up being, like, danger, Greg, you're going to ruin your marriage, uh, so... (laughs) need to like step back and not try and help because she's in a place where she's just like, I can't receive help. Why are you trying to help me? I'm clearly already terrible at it. Stop it. And it's just, it's a funny, terrible cycle of just, yeah, just stay back and let them figure it out for themselves.
2: Yeah, there's a common phrase in this house. I'm helping, I'm helping. Which uh, usually is when you realize that it's your cue to uh, make like a tree and leave.
0: Make like a tree and get out of here. Uh, Speaking of which... Uh, let's do the same because uh, it's been a good, it's been a good couple, not quite a couple hours, but we're getting there with this podcast. But yeah, yeah, good question. Thanks, Mayo. Uh, I would love to hear from any listeners too. Uh, what kind of awesome secrets you have figured out for yourself? It's not really secrets, but Annette, another fun anecdotal thing about her with video games. She has an awesome knack for finding glitches in like everything she plays. Doesn't huh. matter how ironclad the game is, she'll find some way to accidentally break it. I remember Rob. Steinman used to say that a lot on uh, the podcast. When he was playing, he would find a lot of that too, that he was the glitch-litch. And that gives him good company. I've seen her just... I was like, how did you break Breath of the Wild? Like, Nintendo makes, like, the most tight experiences, and she still found a way to, like, get stuck in something. I don't know what happened. I can't remember, but it was ridiculous.
1: Um, Oh, I think the best one of those I've ever seen is... I had a friend, like, back in high school, maybe even before that, who was, like, replaying Secret of Mana. And he got... he, He... found his way back into podo's village and got stuck there <laughs> oh yeah
0: there is a way you can do it I, you can get yeah. out but it's very specific but i do remember yeah you can like <laughs> glitch it out to push by the the guards or whatever yep that's a funny one i've seen it happen oh gosh breaking games back in the day the when it was did people didn't know what they were doing <laughs> uh but yeah thanks for being on the podcast and chatting with me folks
1: yeah thank you
0: no worries i hope we can get you back around again and, uh, Lucy, thanks for coming on your first random. I'm hoping it's not your last. No! I'm gonna say, no, this won't be your last. Even though it's sad to you <laughs> and like, no, you'll never be back and you didn't enjoy yourself.
2: No, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. <laughs> uh, I was, for some reason, channeling a student.
0: That's, uh, yep. you are exposed to it all day. I, uh, I sympathize. Uh, it takes a very special, heroic kind of person to teach. So, good for you.
2: It could be worse. It could, it could be channeling another student and just be going, <laughs> Chicken?
1: chicken 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 chicken
0: i want that character and i want to meet that character in breath of the wild now
1: yeah it sounds, sounds like a good NPC, right
0: yeah exactly but yeah i hope we'll get you both back and yeah lucy love your brand of randomness so i think it's on home at home at random encounter so please come by again mm-hmm. and hillary it's nice actually talking with you i think this is the first time i've actually ever like conversed with either of you on the mic so yeah, it's nice chatting with you both
1: i think we we like talked oh there's a, a meeting couple... wasn't there yeah, very RPG fan Meanies. We've never been on a podcast together, so it's nice. Uh,
0: and thank you, listeners, for being here for uh, your patience. As uh, like I said, scheduling conflicts made it so that we weren't able to get an episode out the start of this week as a we win. So sorry, this is a week late. And uh, until then, uh, I guess uh, if you have any other comments, questions, complaints for any of us folks, you can find us at podcast at rpgfan dot com. You can hit us up on the old Twitter at RPGFanCom. And as we just said, we have other podcasts. So you got Retro Encounter, which is quite a backlog. They've surpassed random in the amount of episodes easily. And there's more stuff coming out on a weekly basis because, yeah, Mike's a machine. I say that pretty much every episode, so whatever. I probably say Mike's a machine almost as much as Rob Steinman talks about Dark Souls now on the podcast. And, uh,. And then there's Rhythm Encounter, which, I don't know, hopefully we'll have that coming back again soon because there's been so much good music lately. If Patrick wasn't busy writing all the reviews, I'm sure we could try and con him into it, but he's too busy reviewing all the music ever, as I'm sure you two are familiar with.
1: Yeah, we're we're hoping to... We'll get there. Yeah, exactly. Who knows?
0: Either way, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, and hopefully we'll, uh, you know, be back for more.
1: Yeah, thanks, all.
0: Bye for now. Bye. Bye. And while well, the other one comes on you, so
2: Did you just say <laughs> Greg, I don't think you realize it, but you just said Come on, you
0: Nope, no I didn't No, I did not <laughs> Uh, quality entertainment